Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. It's interview time again. As the host and producer of the History Impossible Podcast, Alexander von Sternberg joins us for a chat, including society with few, if any, mental health safety nets. Shut down? What shut down? Needless remakes, screaming into the forest, and most people don't like being the bad guy in their own movie. I know I don't. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dallas podcast begins now. All righty. Here we go. Welcome back, everybody. Another fine episode of the Drunken Dallas podcast, episode 202 in 2021. The heat has arrived in Ojai, but not a few days ago when we were recording our interview with Alexander von Sternberg, who does the really nifty History Impossible podcast. That's who we'll be chatting with. But look at me getting all out of order. Here's Daniela Bolelli right next to me. I didn't even say hello yet. No, no, that's all good to go. We are. <laughs> I think we are the heat outside. We are recording outdoors, and I think the heat outside is making us hurry up to get to a cooler spot because this is beginning to cook our brains. It's so, early too, so it's gonna be it's gonna be warm for the next few months. So before we are completely cooked, let's say a couple of thank yous. Starting with ShoreDesignTshirts.com. And their sister site, Harem Pants. Check them out. How do you pronounce that thing? Harem. I thought that was very oh, you good. Do. Thank you. It, thank it sounded you. came out like Hiram the other day. I saw some Jewish kid was yeah, selling I, pants. I can't fucking pronounce anything, but yes. So, so, I think you do great, but yeah. I'm used to it now. So you know those guys. They are awesome. Check them out. Also, grasslandbeef.com. Oh, man. You plan on grocery shopping, take a look at their website first and see if any of their products may satisfy your needs. Just to be crazy, I took the London broil and looked up a London broil recipe to do it properly. Outstanding. But theirs are so thick that the recommended cook time wasn't even half of what we needed to do. Because it was and so still big. Keep and them, yeah. yeah. Still to keep them nice pink in the middle, it took extra yep. time because they have big fat ones and oh my God, was it delicious. Yep, they sure are. No, the, there's no argument about the quality. No. The quality is fantastic. Let's say also thank you to zebraathletics.com that provide the mats that I just got to do jujitsu on yesterday and realized that my cardio sucks. Mm. I, my technique is still phenomenal post uh, after, like I was pretty happy with my jujitsu technique lately. I'm like, the first three minutes, I'm a god. It's just my <laughs> minutes number four where uh, my cardio after a year of only rolling with Savannah sometime has gone to down to nothing. Did you watch so, that Mayweather fight? I saw that. Well, fight is very put in generously, but S- yes. more like more like yeah, more sort of it's like a sparring exhibition exactly. where he gets paid. Yeah, 
that guy is a genius. I mean, an evil genius, but a genius in the sense that if you can figure out a way to get paid millions of dollars to do absolutely nothing, yeah, just, just dodge some dude for, for seven yeah, rounds, yeah, that's that's a talent, I guess. And it looked imposing too. I didn't realize that cat was that big. Oh yeah, yeah, no, the, the size difference was insane. Yeah, but, but you can't get me. You can't get me. Yeah, that's the gig. Wacky. There, there. I was just gonna say that their cardio seemed to be in check. They, they yeah. Big guy got winded at the end, but he hung in there. Now those guys are real athletes. I, I mean, did want him to get his head blocked off. Yeah, everybody in the universe did, and was highly <laughs> disappointed when that didn't happen. His brother is more of an asshole, though. And he's, he's big. Uh, I think he's going too. So yeah, and he's yeah. So should be interesting, but yeah. I can't believe cardio. I is a strange beast. People who train, if you don't train for a while, suddenly you realize the stuff you are taking for granted because you die. Like, it's weird. Like, I feel like all my instincts, jiu-jitsu-wise, are there. All the technical knowledge is there. The yeah. beginning, I feel so good because everything is... The tank is full and I can just go with technique. And then so quickly the tank is depleted and you're like, oh, shit. Now I'm in survival mode. A million years ago, we did as a fundraiser in my brief fraternity days, the pike fights. And you could challenge anybody you knew to three one-minute rounds. Yep. And by the time that third one minute came around, they could barely get their People arms were up. And they thought they up. were practicing, but they go out and they just start wailing away with yeah, no sort yeah, of yeah. recognition that you got. And it was one minute. Yeah, one minute is nothing. It's, I know, 12 three-minuters with yeah. somebody beating the shit out of you just yeah. to come back out of that corner. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I guess they went 15 back in the day, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, back in the day for real, they, they would have unlimited rounds done. until, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> There's a great uh, match in the modern history of MMA. It's the longest match ever. Uh, Sakuraba against Hoyce Gracie, 90 minutes. They five minutes of time? 15 minute rounds. Oh my God. Uh, I think they did six rounds until Hoyce Gracie couldn't get up from the chair anymore and uh, in between rounds. I quit. can't believe he made it to the chair. I know, it's wild. But yeah, that was. That, and Sakuraba was a god. After that, took like a one hour break and went back for another fight. Wow. Against the heavyweight. Um, insane. Like, Saku was like, he's, he's my idol. Just built for that. Absolutely though. my idol. Back to the thank yous. Thank yous to the folks keeping the drunk in the drunken Taoist. Home winery. A-U-M. A-U-M winery. Yeah, that helps in actually telling people what we're actually saying. I just thought of that right there. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and also materrawines.com. Um, both of, if you are in the market for wine, check them out. Also, thank you for, if you use our Amazon link, if you have anything to buy on Amazon, you can go to dbamazing.com. It's highly appreciated. Again, dbamazing.com. Equally appreciated if you feel like making a donation. You can go to paypal.me forward slash dbolelli. Again, paypal.me forward slash the letter D, B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And on that note, let's say thank you to the people who actually did donate. Let the pottering begin. Here we go. We got Stephen McKee, Jonathan Waterloss, Ross Cranham, Frederick Hahn, Nick Zunick, Lisa Robles, Gregory Richmond, Aistis Juska, John Vergara, Thomas Robinson, Nicola Togni, and Eric Siegler. 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 Yeah. Okay. Sound good. Thank you very much. You are awesome people. Uh, thank you so much for doing that. In light of that, let's jump into our episode. Here we go.
Alexander von Sternberg joining us today. Alexander, welcome to the Drunken Taoist. I'm happy to finally be here. This is an interesting uh, deal because even though it's going to be released probably long, long time after the fact, uh, we have actually recorded just two or three days ago for a History on Fire one. So Do you want to tell them what it is or you want to wait and let it be a surprise? I, if I remember what it is. Oh, yes, yes. It's uh, video games in history. <gasps> he so, ruined it. He yes, ruined the surprise. <laughs> yes. So it's going to be... It's got to be about historical video games because uh, beside being the host of History Impossible, uh, which is a great podcast about history that you guys should check out if you haven't done so, Alexander spent a scary amount of hours playing video games. Like every time I mention a video game, he has played it, except for the only one worth playing ever, <laughs> Far Cry Primal, which we need to fix It's right not away. on sale, unfortunately, but it will be again, and I will pick it up when it is. Yes, come on. It needs to be. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, that one will be coming up probably toward the end of the year for History on Fire. Now, here instead today, we shall be chatting about other things. Let's start with how's life. How's life? <laughs> um, pandemic, post-pandemic life. I, I mean, I've told you this before off mic, but the funniest thing about the whole, well, now it's been, what, a year and three months? Mm -hmm. Something like that? More, really, technically. Very little change for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, because you work at home. I work anyway. at home. Yeah, yeah. I, I make my own. I've been making my own schedule, being self-employed, doing. I guess what they call the gig economy. Mm -hmm. I really don't like that term, even though it's accurate. But just it it feels demeaning in some way. I don't know. That's my insecurity, I guess. But I've been doing that, the self-employed thing, since I got out of college, and that was right. twelve years ago. So I mean, yeah, it, nothing changed for me. I just I the only thing that really changed was that I didn't get to see people in person, but. It also allowed me to reconnect with people, who, you know, who live in my hometown. A lot of video games were played, like multiplayer <laughs> video games. Like right. a lot of us would play. We would play like Red Dead Redemption online and stuff. We're still doing that. Some friends of mine and I, and right. it's a lot of fun. And so, in some ways, it. I think this is probably a story for a lot of people in a pandemic. They, they might have had some things change for them, but you know, some positive things change for them too. They got to you know reconnect with people. How did the folks in Minnesota like the winter? <laughs> pandemically as opposed uh, to those in Southern California. What's funny is that I did predict like to my friends, I said, you guys got to be careful because I know some of my friends have seasonal affective disorder and it's dark, wretched and cold in Minnesota for, you know, well, I think Californians would say like nine months of the year, Easily. but I, I'd say six months of the year okay, to be fair. fair. Uh, but yeah, and it did start to get to a number of my friends. They were saying, I'm in a very dark place right now. And I said, get a sunlight lamp, D you know, something, take vitamin D supplements, eat healthy, work out, do what you can. Don't go to a gym. But I, I have not been back to a gym since, you know, I quit my membership at 24 hour fitness back in February of 2020. Cause I was like, that's where I get sick. And as soon as I quit my membership, I never got sick when three times in 2019, I got sick and it was always from the gym. So and now I just work out at home and. Well, this is amazing how the stuff. flu didn't show up thanks to. Uh, yeah. I don't know what was going on. It caused that, but yeah, it did make it easier. I did get a flu shot just to be safe, though. I mean, I was like, I don't want to get a flu in the midst of all this. Yeah, that would be annoying for yeah. sure. I did start uh, last three weeks or so. I did start training jujitsu again, which oh, is right. really probably the only thing that's radically different from. Mm -hmm. Or you know, we had. Uh, 
Rich came by one night. We had dinner. We could hug each other. It was like post-vaccination. Right, right yeah, there, yeah. That, uh, the virtual hug, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, 20 feet away going, yeah. uh, hey. And, uh, <laughs> so that was nice. Uh, but other than that, yeah, no, I understand. That makes sense. We yeah. have gone to a restaurant. Yeah. Did you? you went? That may catch on. Yeah, I know. Believe it or not, these restaurants, they're like, they're popular. You don't have to do the dishes. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> That's where the money all by itself. <laughs> it's a good concept. We, we liked itself. it so much, we went twice in a row. Now, of course, we yeah. were still outside in the tent in the corner away from anybody who was Fleming. <laughs> yeah. So that's not going to change. I don't think my wife will ever take the mask off. She's just... In it forever. I, my partner, she likes wearing a mask because then she says it lets me scowl at people and they don't Hell know. Hell yeah. <laughs> or mouth terrible things. <laughs> yeah. My yeah. Uh, my fascination for ninja is very pro-mask. Yeah. It's like, masks are fun. They, were you, you, were you burned uh, by acid? <laughs> oh, you didn't see my mask. I got this, uh, I got this mask that's uh, based on like uh, the design of a Cambodian demon. <laughs> it's like there's this Cambodian art, super colorful with faces. fangs. Yeah, and yeah. stuff it's That's fantastic awesome. I'm, uh, I'm a fan yeah no reason to take that off <laughs> yeah I mean I, you always saw I mean for decades anywhere you went if you saw like tourists from China they always wore masks always yeah. wore masks so it's kind of like big fucking deal you know it doesn't bother me it's like sometimes I forget I have it on if I'm, that really doesn't bother me at all as far as bank robbers go yeah yeah, yeah that's better a, time right it's a plus if you are into illegal activities yeah. it's uh, I mean me too bad for shoulder rub guy yeah. pandemic great for bank robbers yes <laughs> most definitely right? so one loses one wins it just spins its way why do I, I feel like Rich uh, is talking about himself right here <laughs> allegedly 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 why was it uh, the princess bride the why do you wear a mask are you idiotically disfigured or something he's like no they're really comfortable they're gonna catch on in the future everybody's gonna wear one and here we are <laughs> princess bride yeah. is the, the the source of everything that is right in the world well here's everything wrong with the world they're gonna do a remake don't yeah, even don't dumb. even it's like why even bother I, yeah. like 10 things like that right now it's I, a perfect movie i wonder yeah. if like there will be enough pushback though because so many people are fans of the original yeah i mean i think there will be i mean no one's going to push back against the supposed time bandits remake mm -hmm. wait I mean, a minute that's <laughs> not on my goddamn list <laughs> Yeah, Why I mean, would but, you do such a thing? I, I, Spielberg is remaking <laughs> West Side Story. West Side Story. Yeah, that's and Tony is ugly. How do you fuck that up? <laughs> if I, he's not a daydream of masturbatory <laughs> teenage girls, why even make the movie? I Maria that's a good does question. look good, though. If you want... If you want, if you allow me to be the actually guy, isn't West Side Story based on like Shakespeare though, or like Romeo and Juliet just or something? Slightly. It is I mean, enough. It is original enough. That's not just no, Shakespeare being sung. It's a complete yeah. ripoff and yeah. incredibly gay. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, Fantastically all, gay. All not, musicals not are in a bad way. All the this best ones like, are. This is like up a whole notch. Yeah. But then Rita Moreno comes off and like every gay person is instantly rendered straight from her. Just for the next like hour Latina and a half. Fineness. Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. To, I'm gonna Google her while while you guys chat. Yeah. Yeah. I need West Side to do Story. Some, yeah. Yeah. Rita Moreno. Yep. The dance sequence. Incredible. Okay. I got some break music for you. I'm just suddenly seeing eight seconds. Can't do anymore. Danielle is just going to shuffle off quietly. We're like, where's he going? Oh God. She has a really short hair, though, from what I can see. Oh yeah. Is um. And what was crazy, Natalie Wood, who couldn't possibly be whiter, playing Maria, 
that ain't the case this time. So, yeah. <laughs> Did I tell you I'm making a cookbook? No, it's, me. it's the culturally appropriated cookbook. Everything it, is appropriate. Well, I made my pozole last night, and it's badass, and I'll put it up against anybody's abuela. And if hers is better, I win. If mine is better, <laughs> I still win. So there's no way to lose. Right. That's but everything from uh, chicken tiki masala, going deep to some Peruvian dishes I've learned while I'm out here. That's yeah. what I love, though, that, as he said, everything is appropriated. Like, when you think about, like, the most basic Italian thing, like yeah. a plate of spaghetti with tomato sauce, Jack. tomato from the uh, Americas, noodles from China. I was going to say, you yeah. people stole pizza from China. Pizza. Yeah, Marco Polo stole pizza. Pizza. Supposedly. It's like, okay, well, supposedly Marco Polo, when he was in some Chinese market, he sees uh, them making some kind of dish that is, it ultimately kind of folds. It's like a... Okay. Yeah, kind of like a taco, I guess. I don't know what the actual dish in Chinese is called. That's a pita at that point. Like a pita, yeah. It's like a pita, but it was like made with, you know, it looked like a pizza unfolded. The legend is he saw it and then said... Brilliant, and then went back to Italy and said, "I have come up with a great idea for for a uh, for a dish of food." Stanley Tucci I, had a different story. I, I buy yeah. that one a little less. Okay. Noodles, I see it. Well, it's that's like a, it's, there, a, it's right? a Chinese that story. That's a thing. Is, the Chinese mm, like to tell mm, that story, of course, because you know they have to take credit for everything. Of course. I, I mean that's. <laughs> and wow. by the way, guys, I'm only saying that because I know it's true. I live with Chinese people. This right. <laughs> this is my family. I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. I, t- I saw recently the potatoes came from South America. Yep. Right, yeah. Yep. So those sneaky Spanish horked that, took oh, it yeah. back across, and an instant hit. I mean, <laughs> no. I would have thought the Irish clearly invented potatoes. No, look that at, was, look uh, at the troubles. That changed the entire human history pretty much it because did. what happened is that while the Americas were collapsing because of diseases and so the indigenous population of the Americans took a dramatic demographic collapse. French fries. Everywhere else. <laughs> Free and fries, uh, everywhere else, population went sky high because with potatoes in particular being a relatively easy to grow food that's very calorie filling, it contributed to a whole bunch of people who were at the edge of starvation not starving. Mm-hmm. So now you had a whole lot more people surviving to the next generation and so on. So it had a big impact demographic in Africa, in Asia, and in Europe. So all those angry blue-eyed people that were up freezing their asses off were about to be done for right? until the potatoes showed up. And then you got World War II. <laughs> there are a couple of things in between, but yes, that's maybe uh, all they did was fight. Yeah, yeah. There's a hundred years war, another war, this war, that war, <laughs> right. roses, everything. They're just fighting, just practicing. It sounds like p- potatoes were kind of the uh, original yellow rice then, because yellow rice was like the most recent thing that was well, that was engineered, but it was engineered yeah. and it's essentially helped solve starvation mm-hmm. uh, and fix vitamin A deficiencies in places like Africa and so forth. Is that the Monsanto thing? or I believe so, and that does kind of throw a wrench on the whole morality question of Monsanto. That's true. There was a fantastic... Uh, you don't have to like Monsanto. Really. There was Yo, a fantastic video I saw. My seeds, my crop. Hand the shit over, boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw this video of that where there was a guy who was um, a lobbyist pushing for sure. yellow rice, and they interviewed him, and they asked about Roundup. Mm-hmm. And the dude is like, no, but I'm here to talk about yellow rice. And they're like, yeah, that's great. But still, because you are yeah. making a claim that it's safe, you also made a claim right here that Roundup is safe. And he's like, yeah, it's perfectly safe. Yeah. And the interviewer is like, um, oh, and then he goes like, safe enough to drink it. And then uh, the interviewer say, well, <laughs> click, click, click. 
in that case, I uh, remember this. A glass. Yeah. It's like, uh, would you want to? I'm like, no, I don't want to. But it's safe. It's totally safe. And he's like, well, then do it. Demonstrate it. And I the just guy, drank a lot of water. So full. You know so what he should have just quenched. said is, no, you drink it. And the guy just <laughs> walked out oh, all man. pissed off. And he was like the boss. And see, that that's the kind of thing that I think is like, those are hills that are okay to die on. Masks are not. Right. <laughs> to go back to that really quick. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I recently, yeah, I showed you, uh, I shared with you that uh, video of Jocko Willink uh, uh-huh. talking about it with his co-host Echo it's Charles. Like, he just said, look, a fuck. it's like, I don't like it, but I don't want to talk about it with yeah. you. And I'm just like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. And yet we both know people on Twitter and Facebook who seem to think it's like tyranny, tyranny, yes. the thin, the thin red line between <sighs> tyranny and like oppression and freedom and I'm just like I get it you don't like being told what to do but well but then when I see people who have a brand and a following I'm like oh okay this is more of a scam of course this is not even legitimate of course so I just I'm not a fan of that kind of like inauthenticity yeah well one thing you brought up earlier that's worth exploring a little since you mentioned uh, friends in Minnesota struggling mm-hmm. with pandemic depression, right. and the regular seasonal depression compounded by pandemic, clearly in terms of uh, mental health struggles, this has been an interesting year for a lot of people. Right. Because, you know, clearly cutting, like in an already fairly alienated society where there's not that much community, cutting even more so mm-hmm. contact with other human beings, that was a problem. Um, we are no stranger to discussion about mental health and things like that. So take it however you want to take it. Well, in terms of mental health struggles, I mean, I think you and I have related our own personal Mm -hmm. stories about it. I mean, it's funny, actually, during the pandemic, I didn't have a single moment of mental health flare-ups if you will and by that by specifically when i say flare-ups i mean i i've been diagnosed years ago now with generalized anxiety disorder Mm -hmm. and that's not a diagnosis i'm going to question i mean after three years pretty much straight of cognitive behavioral therapy i emerged out of that a different person Mm -hmm. and that you know is what i would always tell people like yeah you might need some pharmaceutical intervention however temporary or permanent for me it's relatively permanent i've been on uh, an SSRI for, oh man, eight years now. Mm-hmm. And I don't regret a thing about it. It's, you know, it's, it's kept me stable and allowed me to do the self-examination and develop the awareness, uh, self-awareness rather, Relax. the skill of self-awareness that I think was only possible with therapeutic intervention. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people don't need medication. Sometimes people can do the alternative methods. Supposedly ketamine works really well. I know you and I have talked about mm-hmm. that possibility. I'm sure your friend Duncan Trussell advocates for that. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I, I would say though that like at the end of the day, if you can find a way to afford therapy, or just make the I, I even consider it making an investment. Like, yeah, you might be spending a lot of money. 150 bucks a session is what I was spending. But that it was an investment. Money. Right. It was an investment. I, I think of it as like throwing money into like a you know 
an IPO and it's just like sounds it, more like a poor 01k yeah <laughs> well I mean that that kind of also gets into the issue of like how inaccessible mental health care is for yeah, a lot of people and what so, health care right. I know people? I know yeah. crazy what? right yeah I mean yeah when you think about that when you yeah. think about like uh, $150 an hour or something I mean or, that was on the higher end I think in my case but some in places in like New York I'm hearing about people going to therapy for $350 an hour not even an hour 50 minutes that's because right. you got to pay for parking. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hey, I was in Chicago, though. Okay, I just walked, though. I just I was like, I'm not paying for parking. They privatized their parking in Chicago years ago, Ugh. and it's like $14 for half an hour downtown. It's crazy. I mean, crazy. that's right there is, in a nutshell, yeah. like, what's, like when people are wondering why there are three zillion people talking to themselves on street corners and stuff like that. Yeah. Because they're the only one that listens, man. (laughs) And if the solution to mental health is uh, privately going for $150 an hour, kind of, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, good luck. I mean, who the hell? The percentage of people who can pull that off. And now here is the problem about 150 because you say, oh, it's an investment. So you cut out anything because if you're not, functioning mentally kind of exactly. nothing else is worth it well because you're uh, not going to be able to make the money that you need to go to therapy to begin sure. with if you don't have the therapy but even then so let's i'm assuming you know four session a month uh, so yeah. you're talking 600 dollars a month which is a hell of a lot of money now the problem with the 600 dollars a month is that's assuming that it's working it's true which yeah. in a zillion of cases you have to try a bunch of therapists it's right. not like first time you try it's a perfect match and they start helping you right away and then you're like fuck it's a lot of money but i'll start uh, uh selling blood or something and, medical uh, experimentation and yeah. plasma plasma for mental awareness that's not a bad idea uh sperm donor yeah that's, that's decent money that's yeah. a good better approach and it's a lot more fun yeah. Yeah. you get a knock on the door in 20 years well Daddy? yeah i was gonna say <laughs> well and that's the thing too that is like with uh Remember that dixie cup you met <laughs> that kind of money. old issue of penthouse <laughs> sticky no less you <laughs> that kind of money is bad if you know it's gonna deliver mm-hmm. but if you have to start experimenting with these and oh that didn't work let's try the next one and that didn't work let's try the next one as often is the case for people right then you are talking really crazy money because if you have yeah. to be like thousands in the hole before maybe you hit mm-hmm. the right one well that's why i'm depressed in the first place right <laughs> that's like <laughs> that's uh, that has been in fact kind of my experience with these like the little bit of uh therapy that i've ever tried mm-hmm. i've never run into an unpleasant person mm-hmm. well you'd be pleasant too if the asshole sitting there is giving you 150 bucks to right? chat for 45 minutes <laughs> but i've Woo-hoo-hoo! never run into so anything that helps you. me right <laughs> yeah and yeah. it just and unfailingly with yeah. uh within like very few meetings i end up I'm not boasting when I say this, but like breaking the therapist <laughs> where the therapist suddenly look at me and like, ha, fuck, I don't know about you. You know, I know about normal crazy people, but your thing is different. Your, yours is multifaceted. Like, I was going in for existential dread that was related to me not being happy with my life. It was very mundane. I mean, I'm not pretending right? that like the feelings I was going through were mundane. I was, you know, on the floor of the bathroom sure. at six in the morning crying every day for no reason. I mean, it was, it, it? it felt like I had had something ripped away from me and I didn't. Like I was in a right. very happy place, arguably. But I, I mean, I'm also not going to pretend that, you know, past drug usage probably didn't play uh, mm-hmm. didn't 
uh, help, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, so like all of these things, like, you know, were really difficult for me, but I actually, it's funny that you're talking about that roll of the dice. Cause I, I am a rarity because I lucked out with my very first go. Like my, my therapist was, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, my therapist was just this, like, I'm going to shout out his name. His name is uh, Dr. Robert Baker, uh, the third, he was a, fucking fantastic therapist in uh, Chicago that, you know, I saw for the two years I was still there and then uh, saw virtually after I moved here to LA. And yeah, it, um, it was one of those things that I do count myself as extremely fortunate that I found a solutions oriented cognitive behavioral therapist. Cause that's what I was looking for. And he was all about giving me the tools, uh, the, um, how do I put it? Uh, well, I guess tools. Yeah. Giving me the tools to deal with the symptoms of, mm-hmm. of rising anxiety and, and so forth. Um, and I think that that is the important thing you have to do for someone, but then that only helps the people who like that's good enough for sometimes just having tools to cope yeah. with, you know, existential dread and anxiety and depression. Sometimes that's not enough. It is enough. I think for, I'd say probably most people with anxiety and depression, but the people with like crippling depression, for example, who literally can't get out of bed right. without screaming and crying in pain, which is real. Like those people need more than that. And that's where things like pharmaceutical intervention comes in. Different therapist comes in. I mean, it's, it's, it is a crapshoot. Think yeah. about all those bastards that ended up with Jim Baker as their Jim Baker, <laughs> the evangelical. Oh, right. Yeah. That yeah. would be, that would not be the one you want. I'll take right? you $150 too, friend. And Jesus <laughs> will make you feel better in the morning. I promise. Yeah, I mean that's the that's if, the other version. If, if you can pray to Jesus and you're, you know, I'm not a believer, but if you can pray to Jesus and feel better and and alleviate your depression and anxiety, so to speak, God bless. That's I'm incredible. I'm talking about alleviating. Right. I'm talking about alleviating wallets from yeah. money. That's what we're trying prosperity to prosperity gospel. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> I'm rich. You're poor. I win. Praise Jesus. I started rewatching Righteous Gemstones recently. Oh man, I couldn't that, even handle it. it. Made me so mad. <laughs> I, it's, I am laughing my ass off every oh. time I watch it. Oh, Danielle, you got to watch that. I'm it's, missing out. It's, it's, Danielle ended up at Psilocybin Charlie for his uh, treatment. And, yeah, and that didn't work. Most frightening experiment, experience of his life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Old uh, Amber Lion. Try. Uh, eat all those. Psilocybin. It's going to work great. And then he's like, it's a guarantee. It's a, that I was like, hey, nothing's a guarantee. It didn't work. And she was like, Oh, sorry. I'm like, what do you mean, sorry? You went on for like months telling me how it was. I, that that just I meant actually. I try these oxies. They're not addictive. <laughs> oh, I promise. No, that makes me really kind of mad. Whenever I hear someone say anything about mental health, that's a yeah. guarantee. I'm just like, no, it's not. Right. If you like, is CBT going to fix some homeless man with horrible fucking schizophrenia? No, no. He is going to keep hearing his imaginary friend telling him that wow, he your eczema is looking great yeah exactly <laughs> so there is that and you can't you can't trust the policeman they're giving you that eczema you just can't trust them they're giving you the eczema I yeah mean, just, i mean it's not a thing that is like the current system is not a solution it's no. like uh, it's uh you're i mean i can't even tell you even in regular dialogue like the standard answer is like oh try therapy and like i can't even tell you how many people have tried didn't work for shit mm-hmm. for them which of course is not to say that that's a bad idea but it's like it's an idea mm-hmm. and it's far from a guarantee and it costs a fuckload of money so it's like if it's an idea and it's far from a guarantee okay we're talking that's life right right most stuff is not a guarantee you got to try it 
But if your trite involves so much money that most people don't have to begin with, mm-hmm. it's like, well, then we're kind of out of luck. Well, here. especially when you end up in a situation like some people I might know, um, <laughs> when they don't get the answer they want. Oh, they're expecting an answer. And yeah, then and they... the answer is, why don't you quit drinking and smoking that weed? You might see some differences in your life. And they're like, well, that can't possibly be the problem. Right, right, <laughs> Fuck right. you. Yeah. Next. And they go to the next one, and they're like, do you ever think about making some changes? Do you ever think about ma- taking responsibility yeah. for some of these yeah. things? And the, the and when the answer is no, it's like, well, then they're not ready to get. I mean, that is another thing that you gotta be I, ready. It, well, yeah, and that's the thing. I I do feel bad saying this because it does sound kind of callous, but there are people who are not seeing results from therapy. And I'm not looking at you, Daniele, when I say this. He I was kind of side eye. Right. I, I was, was kind of side eye. But there are people, though, who are not going to get better because they don't want to. Sure. And yeah. it's not that they're thinking to themselves, I want to feel bad. It's sure. I want to cling on to these certainties that I have because if I let go of them yes. and take responsibility, I'm going to feel, I'm not going to know what to do with myself. Sure. Things are going to get worse. I guarantee you they do not get worse. Right. They might not get better, but you they don't get worse. You haven't been under the chemtrails, man. <laughs> you don't get <laughs> I was going to say, I lived under chemtrails quite a bit oh. in Chicago, so maybe that was what was actually fixing me. I don't <laughs> right. know. That's I mean, I have half jokingly said that, like, you know, CBT is not going to work for everything, for obviously in mm-hmm. every case, but if we somehow found a way to require it of every single quote-unquote regular person in this country, I think we would have a lot fewer, well, at the very least, we'd have a lot fewer completely fucking stupid internet arguments Mm -hmm. because all you need to step out of a bad internet argument or even real life argument is a tiny modicum of self-awareness. That's all you need. In which way? Do tell. Uh, About uh, self-awareness. And uh, stepping away from arguments. Oh, right. How does that work? Well, uh, it it can be complicated depending. If you're online, I've actually found it's incredibly easy. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I I was, uh, you know, talking to, you know, a mutual friend of ours about this. I have no friends, so I don't know what they're talking about. But, um, yes. but I, I was, but I've told told a lot of my friends this is that you know a lot of the time an internet argument starts because you are poking an invisible bear because you know you're trying to get a reaction out of people. I mean, I'm very aware that's what I'm doing when I post like 99% of what I post because you know it's like. It, it's kind of the unfortunate thing about social media is that it does become a brand, and if you have, why is it boredom or is it? Uh, well, I mean, I think I can't speak for other people. I sure. would suspect it is probably boredom in a lot of cases, or just they have fun getting people angry. You know, trolling, and sometimes trolling can be funny if if it's done right and not with cruelty. Sure, uh, but uh, I mean that seems to like those two statements seem not to go together. Because no, like, how can you do without? Not, what, I mean, if the goal is to get people <laughs> mad. Well, because then... I make a distinction between meanness and cruelty. Because I think when you're being mean, it's like it can be funny, you know. But when you're mm. being cruel, that's never funny. I, I, can you be cruel without being mean? Speaking of well, speaking of remakes, Alexander is gonna star in the next uh, remake of Mean Girls. <laughs> already on the way, right? I was already gonna say on? maybe American Psycho. Lindsay Lohan <laughs> coming back as the yes. gym teacher. Yes, uh, she deserves that. <laughs> she deserves a job. Um, I was gonna say though that like the the thing about like uh, well I, I can say speak for myself that. Everything I post is with sincerity, unless it's mm-hmm. obvious that it's not. Like, I, I want to be sincere and self-aware at the same time. I think those things are correlated. But what I'm trying to get at, though, is that I think a lot of the time Internet arguments happen because you said something that you didn't actually think was going to affect anybody in a way that made you care. Does that make sense? 
You mean um, people might take things the wrong way on I know, believe it or not. It's what? pretty crazy, right? Well, yeah, and that's what I'm saying is that I think the, the method I have used to avoid that, to make sure what I'm saying is sincere online. Is only speaking emoji. Exactly. No, but it's uh, what, I, what I would do is like if I'm angry about something, because that usually is why people post something mm -hmm. or comment something. If I'm angry, I'll take a second and I'll type out what I want to say, like, you you're fucking moron, whatever. I don't know. I, I would never say that anyway, because it's stupid. But, you know, just basically trying to type out what you want to say, what you want to get off your chest, but then you don't post it. You can copy paste it into a word file if you want, or just leave the window open. Mm -hmm. You write it down and then walk away or just start doing something else and then go back to it. And then you look at what you wrote. And if you don't believe it anymore, if, if you don't care, then why did you want to post it to begin with? That, that should be the... Do you find that to happen, that suddenly, like, an hour later, you feel differently about it? Or? I'd, I'd say, for me, it's, like, 60% of the time. Serious? I, I probably self-censor 60% of the time because I do not care mm -hmm. about what I actually wanted to say all that much. It's basically, I, I ask myself the question, would I be willing to get into an hours long back and forth with someone over this point that I'm making. If the answer is mm, no, I then it's yeah. And I think that that is the, I'd say it's the healthiest way to be engaged online. The healthiest thing really is to just disengage online altogether. Cause I think it, that's, that's a lot of effort. I mean, we've talked about that a lot right. about, you know, on the phone about how putting forth that kind of effort, it's like, just what's the point, yeah. you know? And I agree with you. What is the point? But if you're willing to do it, that should be how you do it. In my view, at least mm -hmm. you should be very measured about it. You don't have to have a comeback within 30 seconds of seeing somebody dunking on you. Mm -hmm. Like they're not going anywhere. They will be notified of it. And if they, don't respond or don't see it then whatever you haven't lost anything mm -hmm. but, but i think hurt some feelings i know because then they sit feelings. there upset <laughs> i don't know i think fucking with the flat earthers is the finest most exciting well, thing you can do with the day did you watch that uh documentary i would not I mean, watch anything dude it's the, the documentary about my, flat earthers is fascinating my documentary is go find the cliff <laughs> <laughs> bring me a picture and i'll push you off nice <laughs> i'll film it from I afar, will film it. yeah. We would get we would get flat earthers up at the Griffith Observatory with telescopes oh, pointing to Venus uh, in crescent form. I can't even with that. I mean, what I found fascinating in that documentary though is that it was very clear, at least for some of them. Some of them is just a conspiracy theory that they've latched onto, but for a lot of them, uh, this is actually more sad than anything. It's a religious sadder than that. Oh, I know. It's a religious faith for them. Oh, like it's yeah. a community thing for them, and it's really. I don't want to begrudge anyone of that, but it's a very strange thing to become involved in some kind of weird movement because it substitutes your lack of, you know, religious community. And I, yeah. and I, and I see that on every possible permutation of political ideology present right now. It's, sure. it's no one is immune from that except like, you know, weirdo, like social libertarian anarchists like me, I guess, you know, <laughs> like it's really weird to, yeah, to witness that. I mean, that. that's uh, speaking of mental health, that's right. a hell of a human drive, right? That need mm -hmm. to belong to something. And they're, they're militant about it. I found yeah. myself yeah. at a, at a, at a airport bar in Lexington, Kentucky. Oh, this with, sounds so fun. With three of them that I accidentally <sighs> mentioned, you know, astronomy and telescopes. Oh and like, no. Oh hell, then you know, right? And it's like, mm, I'm so sad. I didn't, I if I had known, I would have brought you the flyer that I took from one of them on the streets of Chicago. 
Chicago a couple years back when I was visiting. It's so fun. And the, the people who were handing it out, these were guys, they were laughing as they were handing it out. So I think they were just having fun. They're just like, this is goofy. We're going to hand this out and just see how many people show up to this convention that's where happening. Where the hell it, did you the guys... Incel convention going on I in guess, town, a correlation, you know. Yeah. Where cor- the hell did you guys hang out? I've never <laughs> seen anything like this. I've never run in... I no flat earthers? No. I drove past a Scientology center on the way here that I didn't know was out here. The so. Ventura one? Uh, yeah, the Ventura How one. How about that? Those, yeah. The parking oh. lot was wildly empty? Oh, dude, I was in... Uh, I'm flying drones over to see how many people <laughs> they have trapped on the roof. I lived in uh, North Hollywood for... Uh, well, actually, six years up until just this year. That's the celebrity center up there. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw that there. And I remember when they built it. I was. I remember before I knew what was being built, I was like, what the hell is happening? And then I saw the Scientology cross thing. And I was like, oh. And then all the weird gold-vested people started handing out flyers like on that street corner outside of Denny's. And I was just like... And the I, engrams were running to hide. Yeah. So, okay, people belong to choose to belong to weird ass shit all the time right, right? because uh, and again not because they like those ideas per se those mm-hmm. ideas are just an excuse to latch on to something so that you can belong that's the right. kind of the whole point they have affordable brunch on Sunday yeah what's <laughs> a, what's an alternative to that because uh, clearly mm-hmm. the need the human need to belong is not going anywhere uh, it's gonna be a primary drive that pushes people in directions that may be really unhealthy most of the time, but also they could be, it doesn't have to be. I'll be very curious to see if um, uh, the editor-in-chief at REO Magazine, who's been nice enough to publish me a few times. Did she have a speed wagon back in the day? (laughs) She uh, actually did. (laughs) No, uh, she uh, recently had a chance to interview Dawkins, Richard Dawkins, and uh, she was asking people on her friends list, Mm -hmm. like, what should she ask? And I posited, I said, hey, Ask him if the religious impulse, if he thinks it's biological. Right. I mean, I doubt it is. I bet it's a combination of a lot of things, like most things are, that are behavioral, psychological. There's multiple factors that go into it. But, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I want to just be dismissive and say that it's biological. But, I mean, if I really want to think about it, I think it's, um, I think it's because we are – well, this is kind of an obvious answer, but it's because we're social creatures. No, I mean, sure. And, and lonely. And lonely, especially now. Sure. We get back I mean, to that all the time. Dude, so that's the diagnosis, yeah. but what's the healthy solution to that? Uh, well, it's that sort of other kind of cliche, which is that you have to learn to love yourself before you can love anyone else. I mean, I yes, RuPaul, practice regularly, but, but yeah. <laughs> why do you think that My right arm so strong? Yeah. I mean, but, I was going to say that. I mean, it's like the point is you got to have community, right? I mean, that's yeah. what human beings are designed for. Right. That's not where you modern life is going. Hence, mm-hmm. even more so, you're going to find batshit crazy ideas attracting people well, because they need to belong to something. And here's the thing, and I did write about this in the aforementioned yeah. REO magazine, that I think after we do not know yet what COVID is going to do to people. Because as you guys, as you said, you talk about loneliness, the loneliness epidemic. That's been talked about, well, not just by you guys, but by social scientists have been looking into that for how long? It's like been at least half a decade at this point, I would think, that I've been hearing about the rise of Mm -hmm. loneliness, especially with millennials and Gen Z, but with everybody. Then, as you said earlier, you take everything away that even made, you know, an antidote to loneliness, like, you know, like impossible you made it all impossible Mm -hmm. basically at that point so i think we're going to start to see a rise in 
you know, probably some good communitarian sort of gatherings and like, you know, people coming together in some ways and forming communities. But we're going to start to see some pretty dark shit in the next, I'd say, decade. And that could include uh, a reignition of cults. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daryl Cooper talked about that, essentially, in his uh, recent Martyr Maid series. I mean... I, I think that is unmistakable that if you look at like the fallout of decentralized radical movements, they do tend to result in, you know, a, a much greater search for meaning. And if you add a pandemic in which everybody is socially isolated, like you're you're looking for you're, you're seeing this meeting of circumstances that, in at least in my opinion, is going to lead to something very or things that are very scary. Everybody remember, if you're going to join the cult, make sure you're the guy with the guitar. Right. That helps. No, just be the guy who starts it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what it is. Generally the same guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. There's a phenomenal image in that series, in the series that he did about... Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Jones, John, yeah. Jim Jones and Johnstown. There's this image that he delivers that's really powerful where they are essentially in the middle of the jungle in Guyana. There's mm. nothing around them. And in this full-on paranoia that they are beset by their enemies, you see, he's saying, imagine like having a drone or a plane where you see this scene from above and you see miles and miles of complete darkness in the night as there's nothing around. And then you just see this little circle of lights of guys who are literally screaming at the jungle, yeah. yelling at invisible enemies, <sighs> trying to keep them away in the middle of the night. And you're like... Man, those folks must have drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, wait. It was, I, I got it backwards. It, it was Flavor-Aid, excuse me. It was Flavor-Aid. <laughs> it was. Yeah. I love being a Jim Jones or Jonestown nerd because whenever someone says drink the Kool-Aid, you could say, actually, it was Flavor-Aid. Grape, no less. Yeah. <laughs> Grape, exactly, no, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you guys have heard the, the audio of the mass suicide. Before. Yeah, I mean, every, it's to horrifying. Me, like, he plays a lot of the clips of mm-hmm. the Jim Jones in it, and I'm always... Is that when he's clipping people at the same time? or There were some people who were getting shot, I believe. Um, but I mean, even before, but, yeah. even if you listen to the years before of audio right. of him speaking, I, I don't even know how to start because it's so mind-blowing that anybody would remain sitting for more than three seconds and not take the door. Desperation, it, it man. Really shows you, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It really shows you some other factors are at play. And not only... And do you see why I'm you, worried about the future? Right. And yeah. not only <laughs> do you sit in it, but you actually begin to actively participate mm-hmm. into yelling at somebody because, the, you know, like some of the shit that they would do was so just. It's not uh, unheard of, though. And I don't know. I feel bad, actually, because I do really love that series Daryl did. And maybe he can correct me on this in the future. But I don't know if Jim Jones knew much about what was happening in China during the Cultural Revolution. Mm-hmm. And if you'll pardon a tangent, I mean, my. She's not my mother-in-law because Molly and I are not married, but, you know, she's basically my mother-in-law. She was born during that. Right. She is very, very aware of what it was like during that time. Her own mother was an educator. She had the giant dunce hat with, like, a bunch of, like, really horrible shit written on it put on her. Or was it on her husband? It doesn't really matter. The point is... This methodology that Jim Jones used is was like it had been perfected in communist China sure. during like the Cultural Revolution. And it it seems to me that there is a sort of I, I don't know, I, I dare I say it, but I think it, that was, you know, I think that's just sort of cult making 101 is how it's where yeah. you like basically turn everybody against each other so you can maximize the amount of control you have Which over is- them. 
I mean, yeah, communist China, as well as pretty much everywhere else in here, you know, from, any utopian place, yeah, which yeah. is everywhere, right? Well, like, I mean, but from, the, but the, but uh, but Hitler and Stalin, they were just much more brute force about it. They didn't manipulate the culture in that same way. They did encourage people to rat on their own families, but they never did these weird performative things in that same well, way. Well, in that sense, like all the we chants and Inquisition sure, right. things, stuff like the parading of the heretics before you right. set them on fire, that kind of thing is the same shit. Yeah, you know, right. It's the, we gotta make some examples out of people, or we ain't gonna run this. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I, I guess. So the Dunthats, Dunthats go back to China. The old school cone uh, on the head. It didn't look exactly. Was like that appropriated that. by Marco Polo at some point? <laughs> you know what? It probably was. When uh, he went swinging past his well, little the, visit. The funny thing about those hats is that they 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 aren't like cones. They are like just big. They, they they're sort of like circular banners. Like they've oh. basically wrapped a banner they're around like somebody's a Benny head. Benny Hanna chef. Actually, kind of. Kind of. It's it's. But if you look at the photos of the Cultural Revolution and the Shaming Brigades, it's like. But at well, least they didn't kill anybody. Well, they did, but um, but not those did. people. Those people they were they were publicly <laughs> shaming. I mean, it, it is one of those things where like if somebody makes, if anybody makes like a, a Nazi or Soviet or Cultural Revolution analogy to anything today, my first impulse is to say shut up. Like it's just no. But if you look at the sort of underlying psychological impulses behind Twitter mobbing, it is almost one-to-one with that kind of culty shaming culture and but there's no cult leader that's the crazy thing Mm -hmm. maybe the cult leader is jack dorsey i don't know (laughs) but it's like it's 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 unnerving to watch that impulse because i think that impulse is it maybe it's hand in hand with the religious grouping community impulse as well it's maybe part of the same sort of uh social psychological network i don't know but it, it does seem to all be very related i mean in a series that is as disturbing as game of thrones right where you're not running short of disturbing moments yeah i found a really disturbing one to be in the one where like uh cersei has to walk naked with the, the high lady sparrow going, shaming, shame, yeah. shame 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 yeah and you know cersei's like well, okay. I love Cersei. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say. Uh, <laughs> let's leave Alexander out of the conversation because he has a tattoo that's a quote from Littlefinger, and Chaos his passion for Littlefinger is a little disturbing. <laughs> of course, he's gonna say he loves Cersei. So yes, uh, Cersei's awesome. First of all, for discussions, which <laughs> she did have the best line in the whole show. Which one? Imagining a world where no one hurt little girls. That is a great line. I actually didn't even think about that. I, my favorite line of hers is "Power is power." That's true. Too. Yeah, she's great. But like, She's so hot. For, for people, Rich is on board. Rich is on board. Come on. For people who are not. Cersei. After the haircut. Yeah. I won't make any comments about where. I won't make any judgmental comments. But for people who are. If you like brother fuckers, you like them. That's all there is to it. You know, like nothing you can do about who it. Who do have issue with somebody like Cersei, who is a despicable character in multiple ways. Uh, it's still disturbing as hell. Because, you right. know, you are like, you want the, this is somebody that you want to see fall into flames in miserable ways because they've been so horrible. And yet, when you see that kind of viciousness, mm-hmm. that going to parading somebody naked, and you have like, the worst part of all that is the population. Right. Where it's suddenly just everybody throwing things and yelling at her and doing this and that. And you can feel that that's like, it's not because they have, some people I'm sure they have an issue with her specifically, but in mm. many cases it could be anyone else. Right. And there would be that same mob reaction of... Because uh, everybody else is. Well, it, I there, yeah. this wasn't really made clear in the show, but in the book, which is incredible. I remember the scene where she's first captured by the High Sparrows uh-huh. flunkies. I remember it was literally a moment in that book 
where the script flipped for me and I started to like Cersei the most. Mm-hmm. It was right when they started abusing her like that. Mm-hmm. And um, there is that sort of really dark undercurrent, though, that is stressed in the book that the reason why all those guards are there mm-hmm. are to prevent her from being gang raped. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about that, that would have happened. Right. Because that's what a mob does if it gets angry and crazy enough. And that actually just made me think of something I've never thought of before. I'm almost afraid. Yeah. <laughs> well, just like how people react to evil, because what you're saying is the evil of the individual versus the evil of the crowd. Mm-hmm. And I think that that dilemma is really interesting because I think that that might be you could maybe even tie that into people's personalities. Like, what are they more scared of, the evil individual or the evil crowd? And you could probably even divide it along like political ideological lines. Like the more conservative oriented people are probably more scared of the crowd and the more progressive oriented people are more scared of the individual. Maybe a mix of both. For me, it's a mix of both. I'm terrified of crowds, but especially if they have a leader at the head of them. Sure. So like it's because I, I... I mean, at the end of the day, evil is evil, right? So it right. Doesn't yeah. Matter. It's like it's it all doesn't. Bad. It's just, it's but it's interesting terrible. to like think of like what makes what makes people more afraid. That's sure. the thing, because fear is the ultimate driver of everything. I mean, isn't it funny how our reactions can can shift according to our perceptions? And right. I'm going to go Handmaid's Tale in this one. I haven't seen that actually, so I'm gonna I should probably a, read the I'm book. I'm going to do a tiny spoiler. Okay, that's fine. At one point, a handmaid rolls into the sort of Congress and pops off a suicide vest. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. And being a viewer and being seeing how these ladies have been treated for a season, I was like, fuck yeah, get those both for the suicide. <laughs> Bomber is, is good. Yeah. Well, to me, it depends who you are targeting. I don't know. It was one man's, uh, one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. But... No, but I mean, literally, like, if any, if, uh, doesn't even matter. It's like, if you are targeting, if you are the guy who say, hey, the foreign policy of country A is terrible and evil and they are terrible, and you go shoot their president, eh? Kind of part of the gig, right? It's I like I, are... I saw that footage of Saddam being hung back in 2006, yeah. and I applauded. I was just like, and 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 when I found out that Uday and um, Kuse were bombed or what, I think they were bombed, right? Like I was like, good, they should no, be. I mean, but he... beyond that, that's when it starts to get a little more complicated. Well, what you know? about Gaddafi? He was in the hand of the mob. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know enough about that really to be honest. Well, that's so. a rough way to go, and that's yeah. where to me is like. And in a personal thing where it's a one-to-one personal thing is right. one story. When you just target, like, you know, you mentioned a suicide a bomber. A random marketplace some, mm-hmm. like, what the versus fuck? some evil. What mm-hmm. does that have yeah. to do with anything? No, you're right. Okay, I see and, the difference and then. So, I, you, you know, guys you fixed me already. Yeah. There Easy, are probably right? some people who would disagree with me on this, but I still do think that the best carriage of justice, I don't know if that's a term, mm-hmm. but not miscarriage, the best carriage of justice was Nuremberg. Like, mm-hmm. it was people holding the most responsible people sure. that they could get a hold of, at least, responsible. Now, would it have been nice if they could have gotten Mengele and then, you know, you know, probably gutted him in, on a public square, maybe dismembered him? That would have been nice. You just had to go to Argentina. Well, they, yeah, but then they found... But then he, like, died in the ocean. Nobody knows what happened. I mean, I think Mossad probably got him, and I'm fine with that. But I, I do kind of wish he had been caught the way Eichmann was. Well... Nuremberg being a good thing for certain. Right. What do you think about a country not willing to examine an insurrection in their own capital? Well, half of half of the representatives who have, you know, reasons for I'm not excusing them, I'm just saying they have an incentive not to. That's the thing. And I and that's that's the great that's that's part of the greatest weakness of democracy. Dangerous that it, we can do five thousand Benghazi yeah. hearings and well, what, uh, well, there is that risk of like 
and, and you want I, the audience. Well, we no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I think that there is a risk for these people that maybe some of them could be unintentionally implicated in it. I know, crazy, right? I because like I mean that's one reason. Another reason is they don't want to piss off their constituents because they realize that if we do, if we piss them off, we're going to get voted out and in favor of another, you Q-Anon know, yeah, Jew- Jewish space laser lady, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, who even her own party hates her. So yeah, but I mean that's a trip in itself because yeah. again, here we are assuming things that are obviously ridiculous because we're going with uh, reason and morality as the mm-hmm. base, which I lose is not the way the it plays You're out right. in politics. But like, if you think about it, it's like supposedly not yeah. the reality but yeah, yeah. supposedly is like why did you get into politics oh because i strongly believe in some ideas and i want them to be pushed and mm-hmm. become uh, okay good ideally maybe the ideas are awful but at least you're idealistic in that sense right you have an idea right <laughs> yeah and instead so what are you gonna do well my constituents would be upset mm-hmm. so i'm gonna switch to a completely different idea it's like well let's go back to why you got into it in the first place i thought it was because you believed in certain things <clears throat> the squad <clears throat> that's if, all i'm saying <laughs> if suddenly if suddenly it's no longer about yeah, yeah, yeah. the ideas you believe in but it's about purely holding on to power yeah what the fuck well because i think that there is this belief that if you don't have i mean as cersei said and rightly so power is power and i think that there is a sort of fear to bring up that word again of a lot of these people who just want to hold on to power that if they don't have that power, then what's the point of having their ideals when it should really be the other way around? I mean, and now granted, none of us are representatives in the United States government. Maybe it really is a, uh, as much of a snake pit mm-hmm. as, you know, House of Cards had us believe. I actually do believe it probably is. I'm sure, but then and why but, did you, if you are not a complete snake, then you, then, then why you just, are you into it in the first place? Well, then you leave, you, then you leave like Tulsi did. Right, you know, it's kind like, of like fuck that, it. Yeah. This is not worth it, it if you can't make it happen. Yeah, and and that's what's sort of why I I very much sympathize in some ways politically speaking. Even though I don't really I you know my identification is weird, but I I don't necessarily identify with the populist left right now. But I am the most sympathetic to their rage right now mm-hmm. because all the people that they back that they believed in for sure. these ostensible reasons have seemingly betrayed them, and they're just like, what's the point? Let's mm-hmm. just let's just burn it all down. And I'm just like, no, but I, you know, I agree with the sentiment. I understand, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so, yeah, I, I sympathize with that. But how do you pull yourself out of that? I don't know. I do seem I, I do feel like this is something that isn't that uncommon. I mean, it's uncommon in our lifetimes, but, you know, polarization is nothing new. Yeah, I but mean, even if you go, it, even if you forget about the, because as you say, none of us are U.S. congressmen, great. But even if you think about something much more relatable, think about people we know mm-hmm. with a uh, few tens of thousands of people following on Twitter or some right. shit. So very small scale game, right? Right. Sort of what I was talking about before. They have a brand. But they have a brand. Mm-hmm. And suddenly their ideas go from... Uh, wherever they start to suddenly they seem to get a reaction or support for certain things that are not even what they are fully on board with <laughs> masks and before you know it they start screaming about the same shit over yeah. and over to a point that you're like 
wait, but do you even believe it? Did, you certainly didn't start believing that until you got the feedback where it started going, oh, if I push an inch more in that direction and another and another and then... Nope, the ad revenue went up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And what, Milo's going to be on this show? <laughs> <laughs> and so there's that... That would be pretty cool, though. To, that would be pretty fun. <laughs> I would love to... You know, Come that's on, the he's, thing. He's, I, he's nobody now, so it would be safe, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't have... Uh, I don't know, my troll policy is... Right. Just shoot first, ask questions later. <laughs> I just dislike all trolls by definition. So to well, me, it's, it's the insincerity. That's what yeah, you don't like about it. Yeah. I understand. It's uh, and I do find it. And now the funny thing to me is that when you see people like people we know that they start, they clearly are going in a direction that's not what they believed in when they started because right. they are getting the clicks and the numbers. I always wonder: is are you aware that that's what you're doing? Or because facing that, you would have to feel like a sellout piece of shit. You are secretly, in your own head, you are making internal adjustments mm -hmm. to start believing that you believe certain things that you never did because it's convenient for you. Will that sell more bags, though? Right? Yeah. That's the, that becomes the mentality. Yeah, I mean, I... It's just funny. This is going against everything I learned in cognitive behavioral mm -hmm. therapy, in which you're not supposed to try to read minds or catastrophize or assume the worst mm -hmm. in people. Well, how do you get through the day? Then? I know it's pretty hard, honestly. <laughs> but in this case, I would say, I mean, honestly, I've been spending the last, like, at this point, what is it like? Well, it's been over a year, but you know, researching this series I'm doing in History Impossible about. You know, it's about the use, the Third Reich's use of Muslims in their army mm -hmm. and how ultimately it was a very cynical endeavor. And mm -hmm. it's just the point is, is that I'm focusing on one guy, yep. the sort of little finger of Palestine, as I sure. call him. And I have essentially been reading into his motives, but I am kind of basing it on his behavior and what he has to gain and lose. And I think that's how you have to look at these people on Twitter when they're doing this kind of stuff or on Facebook or wherever. Sure. What incentive do they have to lean into this? And why would they not be aware of the positive consequences of leaning into it? I think that the more followers you have and the more your brand as a person, as a public figure, as the more followers you have and the, and the more you have that, the more likely it is that you are conscious of everything you are doing because you have every reason to be conscious of it. The incentive mm. is there. If you could unconsciously bloat your followers by suddenly becoming an anti-vaxxer, that's remarkable because you have to go against everything that you have learned supposedly in school. If we're talking about somebody who's uneducated and just kind of... Um, no, but you at know, the same time, I do believe that most people don't like to be the bad guy in their own movie. Oh yeah, it's a cognitive so, dissonance avoidance thing. I, so I agree. There is yeah. a factor where I think you do start believing whatever yeah. it is that is actually the, working for you in terms of power. The initial shift was a conscious one is what I'm trying to say. And I think then the mm. doubling down, the tripling down, the quadrupling right. down, that's when it starts to become more of an unconscious knee-jerk response. Especially when people come at you and say very overtly, what are you doing? I know you don't believe yeah. this. You did not say this before or whatever. Right. If, if they're meaningfully called out, that's just going to incentivize them to double down just to avoid that cognitive dissonance sure. or being reminded of. So I think basically what we're saying is it's both. It starts out as a grift mm -hmm. and then it becomes an unconscious grift. Right. And the unconscious grift at that point, well, then is it just sincere? I know that's weird, but that's where to me is like there's a degree of lack of self-awareness, mm -hmm. lack of integrity at a deep level, so that in order to maintain the face of integrity, not just with other people, but with your own self-image, mm -hmm. you basically 
hypnotize yourself right. and convince yourself of something so that you can pretend yeah. that you have some semblance of dignity in this whole process. I mean, you can see it. I mean, to bring it up again, I am doing so much self-promo right now, yeah. but Hajiman al-Husseini, the guy who I've been covering in mm-hmm. my series right now, he thankfully left behind a series of essays he wrote in the 1950s, way after all this happened. You see everything you just said playing out in his words. He defends his alliance with the Nazis. He defends his own anti-Semitism, which he doesn't admit is Mm anti-Semitism. He basically just says, look, this is stuff I had to do. I had no choice in the matter. Right. Basically, I just think that it's very common for people to make choices because they see the benefit in making those choices for themselves. Because I do believe everybody is a self-interested creature at their core. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's sort of the one part of Ayn Rand's philosophy that makes sense to me is that self-interest is fine. It's just it's in a vacuum. It's fine. It's just how you use it. If it's rational, then hopefully it's not going to hurt anybody. Um, That's, you know, easier said than done, obviously. But I think that when people are self-interested and they start to see rewards for their Mm self-interest and their tactics, they're just going to go along that path and never stop to question themselves if it keeps benefiting them. And I think, you know, yeah, is it easy to make money, make a living on being you know, a awful, evil flip-flopper? Fuck no. You don't make money off that because that's that means you have to be authentic and genuine. You have to give off the impression of being authentic and telling everybody what they want to hear if you want to make money in, in any game of content creation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at that, you see that happen with YouTubers in real time. You can see the shift of folks like Tim Pool to from being like a sort of center left, you know, commentator who actually had like some, you know, good things to say, but then he turned into a reactionary grifter because that's what his audience wanted. Right. Because he was calling out Democrats all the time. But that's what I wonder, like people like that. Yeah. Like the Tim Pool example, which is so I mean he's a multimillionaire now. So yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. He has a compound in the middle of nowhere and on the East Coast somewhere. He's like yeah, he's a millionaire. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, people can make, that's how you make money is you lean into what people want to hear. It's like, we're basically creating with online content creation, we're creating a generation of cult leaders. I mean, who have craft pre-crafted their own memories. Yeah. Do you think like somebody like that goes to sleep and manage to realize that manage to keep a hidden, the fact that they are at the core, a rotten piece of shit. No. Well, I I do think they go to sleep fine sometimes because I think that if you go so far down that path, especially as far as someone like him did, but a lot of people, I don't want to just single him out, uh, but a lot of people, I think, again, the further down that path they go, the more they forget how they got on that path to begin with. And so it becomes their new identity. Right, That's what exactly. they suddenly manage conveniently right. to believe and feel okay about. Well, and frankly, I think that there. when I say that that's how you make money, I... I mean that. It is the best way to make a lot of money and make a lot of it quickly because, you again, you're confirming pre-existing biases. However, that's not to say you can't have success being a genuine person. Sure, I think, you know, all of... You know, I, I consider our podcast space in the history podcasting community with Dan Carlin at its head, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of what people think of the different podcasts, you know, whether it's, you know, History on Fire... Uh, History Impossible, Martyr Made, Dangerous History, Inward Empire, Eastern Border, you know, fill in the blank with all of these other different podcasts. No one is ever going to say that the people who run these podcasts, yourself and myself included, are not genuine people. Like, we're mm-hmm. very genuine in what we're saying and what we believe. It's it's what our friend CJ from Dangerous History has said. 
objective history doesn't matter. Honest history matters. I guess that's what to me is bizarre because it's like if you, since at the end of the day, success is very hard to predict. You right. Can, you're kind of flipping a, you know, it's a crapshoot regardless. Why feel the need to go down a grifter direction? Like why sign up for being in an authentic piece of shit if at the end of the day, it's not like that gives you a guarantee that you're going to be successful. Mm -hmm. Much like being authentic is not a guarantee that you're going to be successful. Why not roll the dice with who you actually are? Because you don't then, actually have a personality. Yeah, that, uh, that person already sucks. Yeah, they just don't. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they're not educated a lot of the time. They're usually very boring individuals to the point where I'd say some of them are probably even sociopathic. I mean, it's just one of those. It's a. I really go so far. I mean, this is just me being a psychological essentialist, but this I go so far as to say. Like you said, Rich, per, their personality sucks. It's because they don't have a personality. They are, they don't, they're not capable of becoming full realized people. Is how I go so that far. So when they hit that particular role that uh, yeah. is a hit with people, then they it's are like, gonna, oh, that's me that's now. Me. That's, that's me. That's me. Yeah. That is so disgusting. It's sad, really, more than anything else. And those people can't be reached. I mean, they can't be reached until they fail. And even then, they might not be able to be reached. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, thing, I would be more in the sad camp if it wasn't that they do so much damage to right. so many other people, radicalizing them even further and doing even shittier things. Right. So to me, it's like sad was when you were an individual that mm -hmm. was sad. When you're having that kind of a negative impact on a society, mm -hmm. fuck you. You know what? To but, uh, yeah, what about the people that are the affectees? Are they just so weak and pathetic yes. that they get what they deserve? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I no, mean, not necessarily. Not the, necessarily. Uh, I don't, the, it depends. The phones are running shit. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I to bring up, I mean, that's the thing, though, is that there are also genuine people who some would consider dangerous to bring up your old nemesis Jordan Peterson I don't think he's a grifter at all I think he is very oh, no, genuine. He's a true believer. He's a true believer and that is refreshing but it's also kind of like okay well you gotta you know do a better job vetting your fans if you will uh, I mean, maybe I don't I don't want to actually I hate putting responsibility uh, of creators uh, of creators fans on the creator I think there's only a certain amount you can speaking of the creator did you guys either you see the good omen show I uh, know of Neil it, but Gaiman I've never seen wrote it. it, and it's basically a devil and angel that have hang out through history together. And one of the oh, early one of the early scenes is they're at the the crucifixion, and the demon leans over and says, well, "Well, what did he do?" And and the and the angel said, "He told him to be nice to each other." And the, and the demon said, "Oh, that'll do it." Yeah, it's like, "Wow, come on, what would you expect? What did you think was going to happen?" Yeah, there's a scene in that one. Is like I think he was a Mel Brooks uh, Mad History of the World thing. Oh God, yeah, where he's like. Uh, my father has been unjustly in prison. What did he do? And he said something about like, poor the poor people. Poor the poor people. How dare it's a miracle that he didn't get his head chopped off. See, that's already. insanity. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, the old um, history of the world where he comes down with the 15. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ten, Ten commandments. <laughs> Ten commandments. Yeah, that was brilliant. What I realized, though, like when I laughed at that and learned about the Inquisition and became afraid of Catholics in general and things like that in the in early 80s, I did not realize Moses' next step was the with thou shalt not the kill up there at the top. Now kill yeah. everybody. Is to go down <laughs> yeah, and kill yeah. himself yeah. with yeah, yeah. a sword. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Hacking people up. Yep. I do like to add, though. That's like, some miscommunication. Remember I talk about the wife and I, we only hear what we actually say to each other 
exactly correct about 17% of the time. Right. Yeah. And then there's a bigger sort of 34 to 40% where at least nothing damaging right. will yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's the hateful ones that you shouldn't say that come out. That's a little tiny piece at the top. But that next piece yeah. where it is simply a misunderstanding that you did not hear what I said. But whoa, differences. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and I think that actually, to I, I will give Jordan Peterson a break. I don't think he can possibly. And then we stop recording right there. Oh my God, what <laughs> I'm just saying, just because he I can't. I think the battery ran out. Sorry. <laughs> he can't Tune in next week. He can't possibly. Be uh, dumber? <laughs> he can't possibly have predicted how everyone was going to interpret his words because he's a convoluted writer. It's not, I mean, frankly, I don't think he's a very good writer. That's really his biggest sin in my mind. He's cashing the checks. He is cashing a lot of checks. and But the poor guy with, you know, that witch of a daughter you know what, of his. Though, Jeez. Yeah, I do yeah. not. How'd I, she end up that way? Yeah. <sighs> and while I buy the authenticity to some degree, mm -hmm. I also think that there's an element where it's not, even in that case, because I was thinking about Peterson. There were a few examples where he was like, super hardcore on like when uh, I forgot if he was Google or who had an issue with like uh, it was like a gender thing he was like his right. wheelhouse right yeah yeah and so he was like you see they are ignoring science and on that same day there was like right. a huge thing about um, people working for the forest service going on strike because mm -hmm. they were the administration was doing terrible things in regard to environmental management yeah yeah and somehow that we ignore, that's not, you know, going against science, but the weird gender thing inside of Google, that was a big deal. It's yeah, like, to he, me, it's like, okay, you are a grifter. He, well, he creates crap. his own blind spots, and we all do, to be fair. But yeah, I think in his case, yeah, he's definitely creating his own blind spot. The incentive to grift, though, is very high when you don't have much of a personality, though. I think that that is really the thing that we've, like, lighted on that I think is important to note. Yeah. I, I think that a substitute for a personality is, well, it, that's like a line. It's like hating something isn't a substitute for your personality or something like that. Well, apparently it is in 2021. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that's, I, I really do think that that is the case. Uh, and that's sad, <laughs> frankly. There was even, like, I forgot the exact thing, but it's funny that we would close with a biblical quote, but yeah. there was what? some kind of biblical quote that I'm going to horrendously mangle, but basically it's the whole idea of, like, what uses it to gain the whole world if you lose your soul kind of mm. thing, which is very appropriate in the sense it's like power is supposed to amplify what's in your soul. It's supposed to amplify the things you deeply care about. When it becomes power for power's sake and you are willing to... Like, why are you even chasing it? There's no you left. You're just a minion, a power-hungry minion or chasing the, power for its own or sake. Or you're the self-appointed founder of the Palestinian nationalist movement. That works too. And yeah. the only person that benefits is that guy who sold the world <laughs> to you. Yeah. Nice David Bowie reference there. Thank you. Yeah, love that Wait song. Wait till I tell you this David Bowie reference. Uh, Black Star. I got it the Day. morning before he died. Oh, no shit. Because I had to have it. Wow. I have no other tattoos. And you didn't even know he was going to die at that no. point. Yeah. I, wow. We've been up listening to records all night. Wow. So on the mystery of the universe, that's a good place to wrap. It's a good wink. I think he's telling me to go shake my freak flag a little more. Right. <laughs> all right, got to end this with this one. <clears throat> Maria! I just met a girl named Maria. Oh, Spielberg, fuck it up. Why can't he leave alone? He's a hack anyway, but Jaws and Close Encounters was a good one. And so was Munich. Uh, it's depressing. <laughs> I did like the ending. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Thanks for coming. No problem. Where Thanks do we get in touch? Where do we get in touch with you at? You can get in touch with me on Twitter at A R A D E R V O N. 
A Raider Vaughn. Uh, you can follow History Impossible on Instagram, same name, and you can find me on Facebook, both History Impossible and with my epic evil supervillain name, Alexander Raider Von Sternberg. Funky music means one thing. That's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken House Podcast. That was a fun chat. Definitely was. Check out Alexander's podcast, History Impossible. It's very, very good. Yep. I invite everybody to run to Kiva.org because we continue to just mount incredible amount of loans on behalf of strangers around the world. And 98 point something percent of the people have got their money back. So we've had a few failed loans along the way, but out of 5,000, it's like 12. That's not a That's bad statistic. Pretty good odds. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I would say very good odds. So, yeah, kiwi.org, and you can join Team Drunken Dallas and uh, help some folks out. And on that note, we want to wish you a good beginning of the summer, and we'll catch you around for two or three next time. Excellent. What? D B O L E L L I. Good shit. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at D-Bolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! Don't want to hear this. No, you don't. In questo cazzo, in questo caso, le providenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. Completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're out. Okay, sorry. So that's so. Let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me. Can you about. translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought. <coughs> sorry. Well. <coughs> We'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> no, that's a bit too powerful. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. Why?